The following audio is from Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com. Father, it's my prayer that our eyes will be turned upon Jesus as we open your word now to hear from you. We recognize that there is a supernatural thing happening in this moment, Lord. It's not just a man reading scripture. It's not just a people hearing a sermon. Lord, we pray it's not that. But we pray that by the power of your Spirit that you will be clear through your Word. Lord, I pray that as, as I proclaim your Word through your Holy Scripture, Lord, that it will be clear for your people and that we will be transformed more into the likeness of Christ. So, Father, I pray that you will incline our hearts to your word, that you will open our eyes to see beautiful treasure in it, that you'll unite our hearts and keep us from being distracted from everything that would distract us and satisfy us in this time. Lord, may the words of this book be like honey upon our lips, a light to our path. Give us grace to run to you to seek truth and wisdom and counsel and direction. And lead us in trembling at your presence. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, please turn in your copy of God's holy and perfect word to Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Last week we looked at Paul's command to believers to... As he said, work out your salvation. Now it's clear that he does not mean work for your salvation. He is clear in that working out your salvation is a call for believers to strive for holiness. It's to strive to become more like Christ. As we grow in our relationship with God, God expects us to become more godly in nature and in action. And this growing in godliness is what he means by work out your salvation. And the critical factor that we studied last week is when you're working out your salvation, when you're striving for holiness, the critical factor is realizing that it is God working in you. And that this is not an effort that you initiate on your own, but it is God working in the believer as we are striving to be like Christ. And so we work and we strive, and we pray, and we put forth effort, and when we succeed in growing in holiness, we recognize that it is only because God has worked in us. And that was last week's sermon, summary there. Today, in Paul's text in Philippians, he wastes no time giving a direct command to believers for us to work out our salvation in. For us to become more like Christ. This will be one of the most simple commands that you will receive in the Bible. Let's look there now. Philippians chapter 2 beginning in verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. In the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Verse 17. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. 
Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. What a glorious verse for parents to have in their back pocket. Do all things without grumbling or complaining. Oh, how natural it is for children to complain. I'm bored. I want to do that. Why can't we do that? Why not? Do we really have to? And on and on and on. You've heard it. But let's not be so naive. Grumbling and complaining is not just a children's issue. This is a human issue. Those little cute babies grow into natural complainers. And those natural complainers grow into grumbling adults. I hear it all the time working in the public food industry. Weekly, sometimes daily. Maybe you can understand if you're in customer service. Customers call Chick-fil-A all the time complaining. I know complaints against Chick-fil-A, that's unheard of. A biscuit was too cold. Didn't get enough hash browns. Didn't get enough ice. You know, my cheese wasn't melted. I asked for three sauces and I only got two. Real examples of people taking out time in their day to complain about number of sauces at Chick-fil-A. The one that topped them all, I think, was a man came to the counter. He received his food and he threw it on the ground. And they came and got me. I went to the front and said, what's, what's wrong? She said, have a blessed day, and that made me ruin my appetite. That's a real life story. Threw it on the ground. No, it's not just children who complain and grumble. We adults are just as bad, except we know how to express it a little bit more. Easily, maybe subtly. And remember, Paul gives this command, do all things without grumbling or complaining, in the context of the church. Oh, What does grumbling have to do with in the church? Well, Sinclair Ferguson once said this, Grumbling has destroyed more churches than heresy. That's true. That is true. In my 10 years of church ministry work, I've encountered full-blown heresy one or two times, maybe three. I've encountered grumblers weekly. The heretic seeks to divide with one decisive blow. The complainers divide by a constant rumbling, grumbling, pummeling. It is a death by a thousand pricks. Nothing is ever right. Nothing is ever good enough. Nothing is satisfactory. And so they grumble. And they'll grumble to anyone who will listen. Are you a grumbler in the church? Do things have to go your way? And if they don't, well, then people are going to hear about it. Are you quick to point out where things are wrong instead of celebrating what is good? Oftentimes, grumbling is masked by, well, I'm just concerned for the church, you see. I don't want to complain, but this just really has me concerned. For many grumblers in the church, they're quick to point out what's wrong or what needs to be done, but boy, they're slow to be the part of the solution. Church family, for the sake of unity in the church, resolve in your mind today to say, I will not be a grumbler 
and I will give no airtime to those who do. That's the emphasis of Paul's command in our text, to do all things without grumbling. And students, this is no coincidence that this text comes today, right before school starts tomorrow. The main point of the text, and therefore the main point of the sermon is this. Christians avoid grumbling by being joyfully content in Christ. Christians avoid grumbling by being joyfully content in Christ. Look at the text, verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. There's the command. And so the first point today in the sermon is very simple. Don't grumble. Simple enough. This is one of the easiest points you'll ever see from a text. Paul is clear. Do all things without grumbling or complaining. So that's our first point. We do not want to grumble. Paul gives this command because we are naturally a people that grumble. We live in a world full of grumblers and oftentimes we lead the charge. My first ministry position was a a quarter-time youth ministry director position at a tiny church in Pelzer, South Carolina. I was a young college student at the time, just getting my feet wet in church and church leadership. And I'll never forget one of the older ladies in the church. Her name was Miss Frances. She was a sweet lady, but she was a grumbler. And there were many times I heard about all the things I did wrong. I remember one day she cornered me, and it was outside, and she pointed out some gum that was on the sidewalk. And I could tell that the gum had been there a pretty good while. And she said, I just believe those young people ought to be out here scraping that gum up. I don't know why they haven't done that yet. They didn't scrape the gum up. Not that that would be wrong. That's a good service. Where there's a people that are prone, where there's a people there's prone to be grumbling. It's the natural inclination of our sinful hearts. We complain about all sorts of things, don't we? We complain about not getting our way. We complain about our job and our kids and our husband and our wives. We complain about the rules or the laws, our boss, our coworkers, our finances, our church, our politicians, our presidents. We complain about our roads, our taxes, our drivers, our bicyclers, our neighbors. We complain even about the weather. And on and on it goes. Friend, do you realize that every time you grumble, you're grumbling against God? Ultimately, not against your circumstance, but against God. You're actually complaining about God's plan in your life for that moment. We know God has planned history from beginning to end. And when you complain, you're saying to God, God, I know better than you, and it should not be like this in my life right now. God ordains all the events of life. He provides daily for us. It is the Lord who directs every course of life. He's numbered every one of our days, Scripture says. And when we grumble, we spit at God's plan and we demonstrate our lack of faith in Him and what He's doing in this moment. One author wrote this, If you knew all that God knew, you would ask for exactly what He has given to you. Every time. Seeing the big picture of what He sees. Yes, there are times where things need to be addressed. There are times where things need to be said. But the solution never starts with grumbling. 
The solution always starts with humbling yourself before God, trusting Him to do what's best. He will always do what's best for His people. God has not lost His eye on the circumstances in your life. Grumbling and complaining is a a failure to appreciate all that God has given to us. It's a forgetting all the grace that He has shown to us so far that we do not deserve. A demeanor of grumbling demonstrates a heart that's lost gratitude. Never forget, especially as you live in a first world country, that there are millions of people who would gladly switch places with you and your circumstance in a second. Paul says, we have no reason to grumble. And then he says in verse 15, don't grumble so that you will be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. The purpose for not grumbling is so that we will be children of God. That's what Paul says in the text. When you're tempted to grumble, that one thing is just bugging you. It's just making you irritable. Think, do I want to act like a child of God right now? If you grumble, you're not acting like a child of God. Let this impress upon your hearts. Are you a child of God? When we grumble, we're not acting like it. Paul says, don't grumble so that you may be blameless, innocent, without blemish, children of God. Don't let these words confuse you. Paul's not talking about some type of perfection that leads to our justification. He's not talking about what you do to be, be declared righteous. He's not saying, hey, don't grumble so that God will approve of you in the end. Well, what does he mean by blameless and innocent without blemish? Well, I'll remind you of the context, Philippians chapter 1 Paul uses the same word in verses 9 through 10. He says, It's my prayer that your love will abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you can approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless. There's the word again. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ. Remember when Paul said that? Paul uses blameless in the context. He's not talking about perfection that leads to justification. He's talking about fruit that comes from your salvation. Christians grow in becoming less of grumblers. In other words, if you're a child of God, we grow in being content instead of grumbling. When a jury declares someone is innocent, they're not saying this person has never done anything wrong. They're saying in regards to this crime, this person is innocent. And Paul is saying in regards to whining and complaining, be innocent, blameless children of God. So point one, don't grumble. Even if you wait in line for an hour, even if they lose your baggage, don't grumble. But Paul never gives a command without a reason. Why shouldn't we grumble? This is point two. Why shouldn't we grumble? You shouldn't grumble because your non-grumbling is a great witness to the world. I don't know of a better way to say it. Your non-grumbling, when you do not grumble, is a great witness for Jesus to the world. 
Verse 15 says, That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Notice that Paul says that in the text, we as the church live in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. God has not separated the church from living among the world. He's not called us to be some kind of weird cult that separates ourselves from everyone else in the world. No, we are thrown in the pot and stirred all together. And he calls us to not grumble among a twisted and crooked generation. Right in the middle of the darkness, you'll find the church living. And Paul doesn't say, look, don't grumble because everything's okay. I mean, Paul's not naive to the injustices of the world. He knows the circumstances that Christians live in. No, he says crooked and twisted generation because people really can be crooked and cunning and manipulative and take advantage of you and cheat you. They can twist things and distort them. And this is the environment that we live in oftentimes. And Paul says... Even in the midst of this twisted and crooked generation, refrain from grumbling. Listen, circumstances in your life do not dictate whether or not you're allowed to grumble. Paul says, in all things do without grumbling. People will cheat you. Things will not go your way all the time. You will be uncomfortable at times. Life will not always be fair. Paul says, even in those times, do all things without grumbling, complaining. Why? Because right in the middle of the darkness, right in the middle of the crookedness and all the unfairness, Paul says the church is shining as a light. Verse 15, in the midst of a crooked generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. It's not dark where the church is because the church is shining as a light. When everyone else is grumbling, your quiet, content life, even in hard circumstances, shines like a spotlight to a dark world. Your non-grumbling is a great witness for Jesus to the world. How? How is it that we shine in the world by not grumbling? Why does that catch the eye of the world? Like, I'm not going to grumble even in a hard circumstance. Why does that sparkle in the dark? Well, it shines because in the dark, you show the world that there's something else to be content in over what they're grumbling about. Grumbling is a contentment issue. When you lose contentment, you grumble. And Christians are called to find ultimate contentment in God and His way, and we cling to Him over all things. Christians avoid grumbling by being joyfully content in Jesus. Look at verse 16. As you shine in lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. What does that mean? Holding fast to the word of life. Do you know why people grumble? Do you know why you and I grumble? We grumble because we don't get what we want. You hold fast to something, and when you don't get to keep it, or when you don't get it, or when you lose hold of it, you grumble. People have in mind something they want, and when it doesn't come, they throw a fit, literally for two-year-olds, and literally for adults. 
rumbling and bumbling, grumbling adults are just kids who never got over not having things their way. People grumble when they're holding on to something and when they lose their grip on it and when it starts to slip away from them, they see their treasure slipping away what they want, the grumbling starts. But Paul says Christians shine as lights in the world because when everyone is grumbling about losing their grip on what they want and and they don't have their grasp on what they want, they look over and they see you holding fast to the word of life, as Paul says in verse 16. They see you holding on to and being content in something besides stuff. Christian, you shine brightest in the world when your contentment is in Christ above all. You shine when you hold fast not to stuff, not to having things your way, not to possessions or to sex or money or power or not to being treated fairly or being treated rightly. No, you shine brightly when your contentment isn't riding on those things like I didn't get my way, so I'm going to pout. No, Christians shine brightly when our grasp isn't on those things, but when our grasp is on God and His way. And our contentment is in Him. When you don't grumble over what most people grumble over, when you don't snatch at what everybody's snatching at, when you're sitting quietly, contently in the corner while everyone's diving in, grasping at whatever they can get, and they see it, the world says, whoa, what is that? Like, what does he have that I don't, what does she have a grasp on that I don't have yet? And it's contentment. Contentment in the Lord. Last year, we really dropped the ball on a catering event at Chick-fil-A that I was a part of. It was on a busy Saturday. Saturday's one of the busiest days for Chick-fil-A. It was during the heat of lunch. And there was a big soccer event going on in the neighborhood where there was just hundreds, maybe thousands of people maybe of all these different kids' soccer games, different football games going on. Well, several of the teams had Chick-fil-A cater some trays to the event. We were busy. Problem is, two of those orders were not in our system that day. And so we got a call about 12.15, and I see somebody on the phone, and she's fumbling around trying to find an order for a lady, and I notice she can't find it. Well, she can't find it because it's not in the system. And this mom had a 20-minute window to feed her child's team, this nugget tray, and we were already 15 minutes late for an order we didn't have a clue about. And so then I get the phone, and she gives me an earful. And long story short, I apologize and say, we'll make it right. We'll get it there as soon as possible. So hang up the phone, getting the order together as fast as we can. The phone rings. It's another mom asking where her order is 15 minutes late. We also didn't know about She was surprised when I told her, uh, but she took it a little bit better than the first lady. So hang up the phone. We're now putting together two orders, both for the same location, same event, two different teams. The first lady called back three or four more times every five minutes. Where's my order? Where are you you at? Have you left yet? And finally, I I had to tell her very politely, third or fourth call, ma'am, if I don't get off the phone with you, I'm not going to get out the door with your order. And so the whole way there, I'm, I'm just dreading 
meeting these two ladies. Um, I have no idea how they're going to react. And so I pull up. They're both standing out front. And I get, I get out. And the first lady pretty much snatches the bag from me. And as I try to apologize one last time, she's like, yeah, 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 whatever, and, and storms off. Well, I turn around to get the other order, expecting to get my other cheek slapped by the second lady. And I hand it to her and apologize. And she smiles and says, hey, it's okay. Mistakes happen. She took her bag and she gave a $20 tip. Every time we grumble, someone's watching. Exact same scenario. Two people standing there. Every time we react to a life circumstance, we're given a witness one way or another. And we're showing where our true contentment lies. When the world witnesses you refrain from grumbling because you are content in God and recognize that there's more important things in life than getting your way, than getting your toy, than getting your drink refilled, getting your expectation met, more important things in life than grumbling over what you don't have, yes, even if it's Chick-fil-A, when the world witnesses that, that shines like a diamond under a spotlight against black velvet. The statement from Paul about shining among the world mirrors the statement from Jesus. Remember what Jesus said? You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good works. Not hear your grumbling, but let your light shine so they can see your good works and give glory to God the Father. But it not only does not grumbling Sound like what Jesus said, but it's what Jesus did. He never grumbled. Jesus was not a grumbler. If anyone suffered unjustly, it was Jesus. If anyone deserved to be waited on hand and foot to receive whatever he wanted, it was Jesus. If anyone could have grumbled about hard circumstance, it was Christ. The Son of God came to live among the people that He created, a people that had rejected Him. And when He arrived, they didn't throw Him a big party. They rejected Him. Not only did they reject Him, they planned how they might kill Him. Friends, that was me and you. That is me and you. And maybe for some of you, you still couldn't care less about Christ. This is a man who never did anything wrong, never sinned, never complained, and yet he went to a cross and died for our sins. The biggest injustice the world has ever seen is the sinless Jesus dying for a sinful people. Paying the punishment, the debt we owed. And how did he respond don't miss how Jesus responded in an act against him. Isaiah 53, 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Every strike 
that we deserved and he took. He didn't say this isn't fair. 1 Peter 2.23, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Well, someone accidentally hits me, I'm ready to fight. Jesus suffered and did not threaten. Do you know why you can let things go and not grumble over them? Do you know why you can suffer unjustly and receive unfair criticism and be misrepresented and misunderstood? Because God sees everything and he promises to judge justly in the final day. When something goes out of your hand and you lose your grip on it, when things don't go your way, remember, God will settle every dispute. Jesus suffered at the hands of sinful men to provide salvation to anyone who would trust in him. Anyone who would recognize their sin and say, God, I am a sinner deserving to be on that cross, and yet Christ is in my place taking my punishment for me. If you would turn from your sin and and trust in Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, God will save you even today. And you can be right with God. You will never be ultimately content until you are in Christ, secure in faith in Him. Christian, would the witnesses of your life on a weekly basis say that you're content in Christ and they can tell it by the way that you respond to hard circumstances. They can tell it by the way you respond in circumstances that would make you lose your patience, but otherwise you remain calm. Are you ultimately satisfied in Jesus? Can you look at your circumstance? Can you, can you, personal here, can you look at the driver in front of you going the speed limit? Say, why aren't they going 55? Why are they going 35 miles an hour? Don't they know I have to get somewhere? Can we just ride in contentment in Jesus? Christians avoid grumbling by being joyfully content in Christ. And when we are, we shine when there's lights in the world. Third and final point. Number one, do not grumble. Number two, your non-grumbling is a great witness to the world. And number three, be joyful in your contentment. Look at verse 16 through 18. Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in labor or vain Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you. Likewise, you should also be glad and rejoice. Do you hear the joyful contentment that Paul is issuing? Glad and rejoice. You also should be glad and rejoice. Paul doesn't say grumble and so be shining his lights in the world somberly. He says we are to do this joyfully. Paul says, even if my life is poured out for your sake so that you will persevere in being content with God above all, I rejoice in that. And we may think, well, gee, Paul, it sounds a little little selfish. Like, make sure you 
don't grumble so that I can make sure my work wasn't in vain. Well, Paul doesn't have that type of motive. Paul is concerned with making sure these believers persevere in their faith. He wants to see above anything for them to continue on growing in godliness. He wants to pour out his life for them and be a sacrifice for them if they would continue in their faith. Sometimes Christians have a somber attitude when serving Christ. Like, I don't want to go to Africa, but somebody's got to. I don't want to go to church, but Jesus tells me to. I don't really feel like doing this, but hey, I'm a Christian. Christians have got to do this. I don't want... I'm living holy, but not fun. That's not contentment in Christ. That's fake righteousness with rotten heart. No, true contentment in Christ is joyful contentment in Christ. Giving up gladly so to gain Christ. True contentment in Christ leaves no hanging faces. True contentment in Christ expresses itself in joyful people gladly living for the Lord. Here's the difference. See if you can tell the difference. Well, I live like this because Jesus tells me so. Versus, it's the joy of my life to be a Christian. There's no greater joy on earth. If people looked at your countenance and your demeanor by your joy or your grumbling, would they say, he's a Christian? She has joy in the Lord. God does not call us to holiness and not to happiness. No, the true pursuit of holiness is the true pursuit of happiness. God is not a killjoy. Like, being a Christian doesn't lessen your happiness. It doesn't lessen your joy. You say, hey, well, I can't get to do this. I can't do this. It's not about all that. Being a Christian is living the most joyful life there is. God says, at God's right hand are pleasures forevermore. I'll close with this illustration. It's an illustration from Jesus. In Matthew 13, 44, Jesus said this. Listen closely to the demeanor of what's happening here. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered it up. Then, in his joy, he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. So there's a treasure in a field. A man stumbles upon it. So it's like nobody else knows about it. He buries it back up, and then he goes and sells everything he has so that he can buy the field. And everybody's like, shouldn't he, shouldn't he be grumbling? I mean, just gave away everything. He has nothing. Like, he doesn't have anything to do on the weekend. He has nothing to go home to. Yet, this is the most joyful person I know. Why is he so happy? Why is he not drooping? And the man knows. Because I have treasure in the field. When you have treasure in the field, you can let go of everything. And it doesn't matter. And it doesn't shake you. It doesn't make you sad or droopy. We've got Jesus. He's the joy of our life. Is he the joy of your life? Being a Christian means finding most joy in Christ. Above all things. 
I give away everything I have. I'm gaining everything. Christians avoid grumbling by being joyfully content in Christ. May the Lord grant us grace to live like that. Let's pray. Oh God, I want to be a content man in Christ. My own heart too often is prone to grumble. Grumble at the heat or grumble at my hunger. Grumble at my situation. Oh God, create in me a a clean heart. One that is content with Christ. Create in this church a spirit of contentment in Christ. A spirit of joy. Father, may, may the witness of our lives be joyful contentment. Because that will point to your great worth. Thank you for Christ who modeled such a lifestyle before us. Who didn't fall to the pleasures of this world, but humbled himself and gave himself on a cross. Lord, thank you for the work of Christ on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to have a time of reflection now. If you're a guest, this is what we do. We, we hear God's word. Jason's going to play, and I'm just going to ask you to sit quietly and reflect upon what the Lord has spoken to us through his word. And maybe during that time you can pray and ask God to forgive you of times of grumbling and complaining. Maybe it's a time where you are sitting and you're thinking upon all the Lord has blessed you with to be thankful for. Then we're going to stand in a moment and we're going to finish singing this song. And I would just invite you that to respond in whatever way the Lord is leading you. I'm going to be here at the front. I'd be more than glad to pray with you. But more so, I'd be glad after the service to talk to you and continue the conversation throughout this week and in the coming months about what it means to follow Christ, how it is we grow in Him in our discipleship. So whatever the Lord leads in this moment, I just encourage you to be obedient to Him. This time of teaching is brought to you by Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com.